The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Welcome to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. My guest today is Robert Beatty, who was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2012 at the age of 52. But what started as a personal setback has turned into a much stronger push forward to fight against the disease and to make every day count. You might want to stay tuned in for quite a while because we will be discussing the nature of the illness, how having a chronic degenerative illness affects a person, how it affects the person's family and spirituality, And then we'll move on and talk about research and a national network of resources for individuals and families dealing with this disease. So, Robert Beatty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Virginia. It's a pleasure to be here. Maybe we should start with some medical information. Tell us a little bit about Parkinson's disease. Sure. Um. For those that aren't familiar, Parkinson's disease is a uh, slowly mm-hmm. progressive neurodegenerative disorder of the brain. Uh, it presently affects approximately 1 million Americans and about 4 to 6 million people worldwide. Uh, Parkinson's is caused by the deterioration of neurons in the brain that are responsible for the production of dopamine, which is basically an essential neurotransmitter that controls smooth, coordinated muscle functions for patients. Um, When you lose approximately 60 to 80% of those dopamine-producing cells, uh, then the classic motor symptoms of Parkinson's start to appear. The symptoms that the majority of Americans are probably familiar with are shaking or tremors, uh, stiffness and rigidity of the arms and legs, slowness of movement, and issues with balance. But even beyond those general motor symptoms, there is a host of non-motor-related symptoms, anxiety, depression, loss of smell, difficulty swallowing, small handwriting, um, hoarseness in the voice, sleep disturbances, And uh, loss loss of uh, facial expression also is a non-motor-related symptom. For the most part, the causes still remain pretty theoretical, although significant advances are being made towards finding what the contributors are. There's uh, a lot of belief that it can be free radicals, uh, exposures to toxins and various chemicals in our environment, 
and they continue to look into genetic factors, although there hasn't been any solid evidence in that regard as of yet as to whether it's hereditary or, or genetically linked. Um, that's pretty much the my, my basic background with the understanding of Parkinson's. Um, for me personally, in 2012 at the age of 52, after an exhaustive two-year uh, self-guided search through our medical community for answers as to what was going on with my health, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And uh, at that moment, my life was changed. I can honestly say that I was given the diagnosis of Parkinson's and my life actually became better for it. That's a pretty astonishing statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that happen? Um, well, my diagnosis woke me up to the important things in life and the importance of living my life to the fullest. Um, my life was not suddenly over when I received my diagnosis. I chose in that moment to see things differently. Um, I often refer to receiving my diagnosis as a, as a point in my life where I was given an island, and I believe that everyone who receives a life-changing diagnosis, whether it's Parkinson's or another chronic disease or even a life-altering event such as a divorce, financial upheaval, or whatever it might be, uh, those people receive their own island. The island is where you immediately go to be with your thoughts where you're alone to search your feelings, discover for yourself how this event is going to shape your life, and determine what it's going to be for you. The difference in one island to the next is what the person ultimately chooses to do with it. For some, their island is a place to turn away from everyone and to maroon themselves in anger and bitterness. For others, it can be a positive experience. I myself chose to use my island as an oasis for personal growth, and I chose to be happy. I see, and we're going to be talking about more about that, I'm sure. Um, I know you wrote a book about this, Tremors in the Universe, which people Correct. can find online at tremorsintheuniverse.com, right? Correct. Okay, so what were your reasons for, I think that book began as a journal. What were your reasons for starting to journal about your experiences? Um, it actually started uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, primarily it was therapy. Uh, I wanted to come to terms for myself personally with what role Parkinson's was going to play in my life. And uh, it gave me, journaling gave me the opportunity to write down my feelings, uh, work through those thoughts, and ultimately uh, come to terms with my own spirituality and how my own beliefs could play a positive role in, in living a life with a chronic disease. Additionally, I have three children, um, and it became important to me to have the opportunity to pass on to them my beliefs. I really didn't know in the beginning what Parkinson's might hold for me in my future, and it, I didn't know whether it would impact my ability to pass on my own personal knowledge and information at a future date, and it became important to me to take that opportunity now. 
Um, and lastly was if my positive attitude and my thoughts about dealing with a disease like this could possibly help somebody else, even one person, then that would be a great thing. Okay, so three goals, to come to terms with your own feelings, to share something with your children about your beliefs and your spirituality and your life, and then to help other people who have to cope with this. Correct. Okay. I remember reading in your book that you, uh, when you were diagnosed, you went online to find out what you could learn and I think you said that there was a lot of clinical information about symptoms and treatments, Correct. but no deeply personal account of what people were actually going through emotionally. Correct. So your book addresses that gap. Yes. Um, I am open, uh, very open in terms of sharing my personal feelings and how it's affecting my life. Um, that was even uh, an interesting conversation with my wife and I in terms of her ability, had she been in that position, to be able to share a lot of the personal aspects of our life. Um, but as I responded to her, it actually was quite simple to share it with strangers because those people I didn't know is actually the people I knew very well, personal close friends who were probably finding out more intimate details about my uh, my life and my spirituality and my personal feelings. Did your belief system change around the time of your diagnosis or, you know, within a year afterwards as you were on your island? Yes, most definitely. Um I think I and believe first and foremost that spirituality is a constant journey of the soul to learn and come to a greater sense of understanding for myself personally. And I don't think that will ever cease to be for myself. And so I hope to always be learning more and growing more. So in terms of where my beliefs were prior to my diagnosis and what I've learned and what they've become since, there's most definitely been a change in the growth. But more specifically, I've come to a greater sense of trust. And that is that everything has a reason and a purpose for us in our lives. That there are gifts, even in the most difficult of challenges that we face. And um, that there's a connection that binds us all together. And dare I say, a duty for us to recognize that and, and help each other, which also led into my getting heavily involved in uh, fundraising for Parkinson's and getting involved in clinical trials. Um, so maybe we'll switch over and talk about that a little bit. Why did you decide, how did you find a clinical trial and why did you decide to participate? Well, as you mentioned, when I first was diagnosed, um, I did what the majority of people do when they first find out about a diagnosis, and that's I came home and I jumped on the Internet. Um, and I began to research Parkinson's disease. And as you mentioned, what first came up was a lot of uh, clinical information, information about foundations and the such, 
but the one that caught my eye was the Michael J. Fox Foundation site. Um, as we all have a great awareness with Michael, he's put a wonderful celebrity face on the uh, cause for Parkinson's. And I visited his site, and whether it was a message from above or not, there was a headline right off the bat that said, are you recently diagnosed and have not started medication? If so, we would love to talk to you. Um, that, to me, was a perfect sign. I, the study happened to be taking place here in Chicago at uh, the Northwestern Medical Faculty Foundation, and I have to be honest and say, and I want to stress this to any patients or any people facing a chronic disease like this, the other aspect that appealed to me was it was a opportunity to get a second opinion. Um, Parkinson's is said to be misdiagnosed 25% of the time, and that, of course, was weighing in the back of my mind. And I saw this as an opportunity to go and meet with another group of doctors that I knew would have to check me out and run me through their tests before accepting me in the clinical trials. So I saw it as an opportunity to get a second opinion. So okay, in that so regard... Let, I want to make sure that I understand that correctly. So you're, sure. are you saying that 25% of the time when a doctor tells a patient you have Parkinson's disease, that's a false positive? The person doesn't really have that disease? It's very possible. Um, Parkinson's disease has a number of Parkinsonisms, which are aspects that are have um, characteristics of Parkinson's disease. However, without certain clinical criteria, Parkinson's cannot be diagnosed as such. Um, in my case, with my originally diagnosing neurologist, I was only exhibiting one of the four clinical criteria, which was slowness of movement. However, there's some new tests that are available, which the one in particular is called a DAT scan. It's spelled D-A-T scan. And what that does is that measures the amount of dopamine in the brain and can definitively diagnose Parkinson's based off of that. Um, My results showed an 80% reduction already in dopamine production in the brain. Ooh, that's a lot. However, when when people are trying to make a diagnosis without that on the clinical visual data, then oftentimes there are a lot of other symptoms that can mirror Parkinson's. And in that regard that's where it can become more difficult to get a definitive diagnosis. Um, So I was looking at those statistics and saw the opportunity to get involved in a clinical trial as first a second opportunity for a a second opinion. But beyond that... that, Is that an opportunity that's available to people who don't happen to live near Chicago? Can they get into this clinical trial, too, and get their diagnosis confirmed? I would definitely urge anyone to visit, for Parkinson's, to visit the Michael J. Fox Foundation for uh, Research site because they list a host of clinical trials that are being held all across the United States. 
Um, clinical trials are looking for not only Parkinson's patients, but control subjects, those who do not have Parkinson's. And there's the potential for everyone to contribute in that regard to clinical trials. But yes, uh, in terms of wanting to get involved in Parkinson's-related trials, if you are a patient, I would definitely recommend visiting the site. And you can register, and they will even update you on new trials as they become available in your area. Okay. What's it like participating in a clinical trial? For me, it's fantastic. It's empowering. Uh, You're taking an active role in the management of your disease. For me, uh, that was far more important than sitting back and waiting to see what the disease was going to be and what it was going to do to me. Um, I like the feeling of taking an active role in trying to speed my own cure. Uh, not only that, you're contributing to the benefit of others as well by your, your involvement. The clinical trial itself is wonderful because I have expert care. I have the top of the field in terms of doctors and in terms of treatment. And it's a reassuring feeling to have that those people overseeing your your case and your treatment. I see. One other additional aspect is that um, on a spiritual level, you're actually giving purpose to the events in your life. You're giving positive meaning to something that others might choose to see as a negative. You're contributing towards helping others through your life, and to me that's what it should be all about. I remember reading, I didn't read all of your book, but I read parts, um, that one of the things that this diagnosis changed for you was an emphasis on what you were trying to figure out in life. You were, I think you said that prior to the diagnosis, you had spent a lot of time thinking about what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad, and and thinking that you had some control over that. Can you tell me a little more about that, how that sure. changed? Um, to me... Where a lot of that stems is from what we as human beings derive as our expectations around the events that take place in our life. Um, what I started to learn was that really I, it came down to having a choice, a choice to be positive or a choice to accept the negativity of a situation. Um, as individuals, the only way for us to fully comprehend and know what an event can be for us each personally is to have had that experience for yourself. Without having experienced it, we turn to observing the experiences of others, and quite often they're negative. If I were to read you the journals and medical papers on Parkinson's disease, they don't paint a pretty picture. Um, but as individuals, we still have the opportunity to make the event or the experience our own. Uh, a great example, let me give you an example. Thank God it's Monday. When's the last time you heard anyone say that? It's uh, probably... It's, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's probably been quite a while, and it's simply because of attitudes and expectations. They both go hand in hand. And if we already don't have our own expectations of the work week ahead with its pile of emails to return or that project you put off on Friday and said, I'll take care of it on Monday, then we're influenced by the attitudes of those around us. We hear so often how much others hate Monday, so we figure we're supposed to hate it too. Okay, we are going to go to break right now, and when we come back, we will be talking more about choice, and also we'll be talking about how the Parkinson's disease affects members of your family. Now it's time for a break. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. I'd like to welcome you back to my conversation with Robert Beatty, author of the book Tremors in the Universe, a book about uh, learning that you have Parkinson's disease and then responding to that challenge. And by the way, later in the show, we'll be telling you how you can get a discount if you're interested in buying the book. But for now, we're going to talk a little bit more about choice. Robert, you've said that 
um, you know, when you're faced with something really difficult, you can still choose to be happy. My guess is that that's not easy for a lot of people to do. Can you offer any advice about that? Absolutely. Um, as far as offering advice on how others can embrace positivity in their lives, I'd have to say that two of the most important things you can do is to change your attitude and continually work to maintain and build a positive attitude through your imagination. My um, mantra that I've kind of accepted ever since my diagnosis has been uh, the next time you're imagining the worst in your life, look up the definition of imagination. Um, the dictionary defines it as our ability to form a picture in your mind of something that you've never seen or experienced. In essence, imagination is about our individual, individual vision of what might become, be it in our own lives, in the lives of others, or ultimately in our society and our world. It's about how you choose to see your outcome. Um, when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, I immediately had a choice of how I wanted to imagine the experience. I could imagine it negatively, as it's been for someone else, or I could imagine it with another outcome entirely. And I chose to imagine my Parkinson's positively. I believe that the attitude that you bring to your life ultimately shapes your experience with that life. Um, another story comes to mind. I remember hearing an old parable about a grandfather who was sitting with his grandson, and the grandfather tells the grandson that inside of him are two wolves that are fighting each other to the death. One of the wolves is angry, mean, bitter, and unhappy, while the other one is kind, compassionate, loving, and happy. And the grandfather, or the grandson asks his grandfather which one of the wolves he thinks is going to win the fight. To which the grandfather replies, it'll be the one that I choose to feed. And that pretty much sums it up, that, that our choices and our attitudes are what we choose to feed and how we live our lives. If you can feed positivity, it, it will grow and you can find positive outcomes in life. Um, I can't control the events in my life, but I can control the experience I have with them. This might be a good place for you to tell me some of your thoughts about the law of attraction. Well, that, that fits hand in hand with that. Um, my beliefs are that the energy that you put out, the thoughts that you put out, you attract back the, the same. And if you, your thoughts can come from a center of love and positivity, and that's what you continually emanate, then you'll receive the same back. Uh, negative thoughts and negativity will bring back the same. I think we're all familiar with people who are angry at life, and they have a lot of trials and tribulations that come back to them. And they end up living that same lifestyle that they're so angry about. I try and embrace positivity. I try and embrace happiness. And in return, I get that back. Okay. Sounds good. Let's move on and talk about your family. 
uh, maybe your family in specific, but families in general, when one member of the family is diagnosed with a very ser- serious degenerative illness, that affects the other people. What happened in your family? Sure. Um, my family's been fantastic. My family has been incredibly supportive, and that in turn has been extremely beneficial to me as a patient. But that didn't come without its own learning curve. There are a lot of stresses that can be added to the family dynamic that weren't there before, emotional, financial, uh, etc., What I quickly learned was that just like in any relationship, quality communication with when there's a chronic disease or Parkinson's is paramount. Parkinson's patients not only need to be comfortable communicating everything with their doctor, but of equal importance, if not more important, is the ability to openly communicate with your family. As a patient, it becomes easy to lose track of the fact that you're not the only one affected by the disease. We often forget that our caregivers, our spouses, and our children are equally affected and are often dealing with their own personal feelings and fears regarding the disease as well. When I first began writing my blog, it was interesting because I was getting all this tremendous feedback from people that were following my blog and reading it, other Parkinson's patients, family members of Parkinson's patients. And I was getting this tremendous feedback from everyone except for my wife. And one evening when we were alone in the kitchen, I I took the opportunity and I said, gee, I've had all this wonderful feedback, but I haven't really heard you say anything about my blog. And she turned around and she real matter-of-factly said, oh, it's, it's real nice. And I kind of laughed and said, nice, what does that mean? And she went on to say, I'm afraid of your Parkinson's, but you're not. And the fact that you're not, I'm afraid to share my feelings with you because I don't want to take away from your positivity. And in that moment, we came to a wonderful understanding about how my Parkinson's was affecting her life. And I've since spoken at a couple uh, engagements where people have raised the question, how do I get my children to take care of me? How do I get them involved in my care? And I oftentimes bring that up as an example and I say, have you really sat down and talked to your family about what their feelings are because oftentimes that dialogue gets closed off because of fears that are outside of the patient themselves. So I really would stress in a family situation that communication is paramount. It really needs to be maintained. Okay, with Parkinson's, as with other serious illnesses, it often does turn out that members of your family have to get involved in taking care of the patient. I want to just mention that people who are in that role of caregiver can go back and find the radio show that I did here on Family Matters on March 24th with Peter Rosenberger, because he has excellent recommendations about how caregivers can take care of themselves so that they are able 
to take good care of their loved ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's imperative for the caregiver, and it's imperative for the patient to respect that the caregiver also needs, has their own personal needs in their own time. Um, I highly recommend that if another friend or another family member can ever give a caregiver a break and allow them some personal time, that's of tremendous value. Mm-hmm. One, at least, of your daughters got very involved with, uh, if not your treatment, your activity related to Parkinson's in a really interesting way. Tell us that story. Um, my oldest daughter, Amanda, uh, received, or we had received in the mail, a flyer from the National Parkinson's Foundation for the Moving Day Walk, which is held a grassroots event that is held in local communities all around the United States. It's a National Parkinson Foundation-sponsored event that raises awareness and funds for Parkinson's research and care. And my daughter came across that pamphlet and said, Dad, we should do this. We should put together a team. So I immediately voted my daughter in as our team captain. We named our team the Martini Shakers, which actually comes from my sense of humor about my Parkinson's. When I was originally diagnosed, I said, well, at the worst, I can always get a job as a paint can shaker at Home Depot or a martini shaker at a bar. Um, So we named uh, our team the Martini Shakers, and we have been now two years raising funds through grassroots efforts for Parkinson's research and care, and our team has raised over $38,000 in our first two years of being involved with the organization. But even better, uh, what comes out of that event is the sense of community and how it brings together families affected by Parkinson's and it brings together communities. And it's a network of support and love for people uh, affected by Parkinson's, not only patients, but caregivers and family members. And it just does a terrific job um, helping the entire community. Okay. And is there a lot of research happening apart from the Michael J. Fox Foundation? uh, Definitely quite a bit through the Michael J. Fox Foundation, National Parkinson's Foundation, independent uh, research. There's research all across the world going on. They're presently um, testing vaccines overseas right now, which are showing wonderful promise. Pharmaceutical companies within the United States that I've met with are working uh, exclusively on neurodegenerative diseases and and treating Parkinson's. Uh, There's a lot of research going on, and there's a great need for people to be involved in that research, not only in the clinical trials, but in the fundraising efforts as well. Okay. Um, I remember that one of your goals in writing your journal and writing this book, Tremors in the Universe, was to pass along to your children some of your views about life and perhaps some of your memories. 
Uh, does the book say much about your childhood? Um, I share a lot of stories that played a role in my belief systems. Uh, I give examples of how imagination became a crucial part of my personality and how it's had its benefits playing forward into how I deal with Parkinson's. Um, creativity in terms of my my line of work that I'm in. I own my own advertising agency and do design work. But again, it's that creative way of looking at things and, and being able to, I guess, suspend belief a little bit to believe that I can have my Parkinson's be an entirely different event in my life than what other people are, are familiar with. Um, and there were a lot of spiritual aspects and stories that I recount in my childhood of where I felt a greater power at play, uh, someone watching over me, someone showing me that there's a greater purpose in my life and there's something still to be uh, accomplished and done with my life. Uh, so I share a lot of those stories in there as well. Um, a, a perseverance also, and what I've tried to stress to my children through the stories that I've told, again, it, it keeps coming back to choice, but that you, in everything that happens in your life, you can choose to be happy. That's yours to control, and only you can control that. Nobody else has the control over that. That's your ultimate decision. And always make that choice to be happy first. Okay. Um, maybe this is a good time to talk about how people can get a copy of your book. Sure. Uh, I have, there's actually a number of ways. Um, I have my own website set up, which is www.tremorsintheuniverse.com. If they would like to enter the code FAMILY, at checkout, they can receive 25% off the list price of the book. The book is also available through Balboa Press. If anyone is listening overseas, they have great printing capabilities overseas and can ship the book to you immediately overseas. And um, it's also available on Amazon.com as well. Okay. The discount, if you type in family, does that apply only on your own website, www.tremorsintheuniverse.com? Correct. And that will be for the life of as long as somebody, one of your listeners, wants to order the book. Excellent. Good to know. That's actually, I want to say hi to some of my listeners. It turns out we have more than 100 listeners in China. Isn't that cool? Oh, that's excellent. (laughs) And I should say hi to the folks in California, too. There are a lot of you listening in on this show. That's actually been a wonderful aspect of my book and my blog is making connections with Parkinson's patients and families all across the globe. I have a gentleman in Norway that I converse with regularly. some families in California that I talked to, and my wife and I had the pleasure of a couple coming down from Canada that uh, met with us after reading the blog. And even through my daughter's efforts with the moving day 
uh, walk, we last year instilled a honorary co-captain from each of the 50 United States to be on our team, to be part of our team in the walk, which was just a fantastic accomplishment. And again, uh, reiterates my focus on there being a, a big connection between everyone. All right, we're going to have another break now, and after the break, we can talk about Jesus Christ and the Dalai Lama and the Beatles <laughs> and, <Okay. laughs> and more. <laughs> okay, let's have a break. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at colinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, and today I'm talking with Robert Beatty, who has written Tremors in the Universe, a book, a very personal book about his experiences after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So before the break, I promised that we could talk about the Beatles, who famously once said, all you need is love. What does that have to do with what's happened in your life 
knowing that you have Parkinson's disease? Well, it's the foundation for my spiritual belief that, um, and I and I kind of outlined it and think it back why I titled that chapter um, um, Jesus Christ, Beatles, Heaven and Hell. Um, it really touched on a lot of my spiritual beliefs. And at the core of all the religions, which I believe holds great strength for people in terms of helping them walk a straight path, um, is the core of love. And it's the root that binds all religions together. I was once asked what my, how I define spirituality versus religion, and my answer was that I see religion as following the path of another and spirituality in creating your own path. But that spirituality can also embody aspects of a particular religion that sings to your soul. Um, and again, for me, at the core of all of those is love. And that became the foundation for my belief system that would carry me as I journeyed forward, being always mindful of a greater connection and that um, the energy all around me is not separate from me, but rather a part of me. And I believe that the people I come in contact with in my daily life and be it friends or family or those that I just meet by chance are all part of a connected world. And if I try and make all my decisions from my heart, and from that place of love, then I can't go wrong. Um, so that's what I try to embody in my actions. Uh, it comes through in giving back, through involvement with organizations, in believing that what I've been given has a purpose, and I can use that positively to help the lives of others. And if we could all find a way to do that, I think we'd have a much better world. Okay. If you could give just one piece of advice to someone who is living with Parkinson's or any chronic disease for that matter, what would it be? For Parkinson's patients or anyone battling a chronic disease, to me there's two distinct aspects. There's the disease as it is today, and for that, you should seek the support that comes from quality care, support groups, organizations, all that are there for your benefit, take advantage of treatments, become involved, empower yourself through clinical trials and fundraising, and above all, foster quality lines of communication with your doctors, your caregivers, and your family. And the second aspect of the disease is the disease that will be tomorrow. Uh, the unknown symptoms, the what ifs, the what will be. For that, prescribe yourself a prescription of positivity. Live in the present. Find joy in your life, even in the small things, but definitely live your life. Sounds like good advice. If it were in your power to erase Parkinson's from your past, 
and not develop the disease until you're, say, 72 years old rather than 52 years old. Would you do that? (laughs) Wow, that's a good question. The great thing about that question is it comes back down to what I've been discussing all along, and that's choice. Would I choose to erase Parkinson's from my life for 20 years? No, I would not. Um, Parkinson's disease is not a death sentence. As I said before, Parkinson's disease is a challenge to overcome. It's an event in my life, nothing more. And I know for sure that if Parkinson's were gone tomorrow, I'd have another challenge in my life that would come along. That's what life is. A series of challenges we continually face to learn from, grow from, and hopefully become better souls in the process. Um, my Parkinson's has awakened me to truly living my life to the fullest. I wouldn't trade that away for anything. My quality of living is determined by what I choose to give to life, not by what life chooses to give to me. Um, so no, I'd have to say I'd stay just the way I am. That's a pretty surprising answer. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad that that was true for you. Um, this conversation is going a little faster than we thought it might. I think we have time to kind of skip way back to the beginning and talk about medical stuff. My understanding sure. is that at present there is no cure for Parkinson's. That what do correct. doctors offer? Um, what, presently, treatment for symptoms. Uh, medications vary, and the uh, availability is changing, even with the medications themselves now. Uh, the One of the primary treatments has been levodopa, carbidopa, levodopa. And that is even changing now in the way that it's administered. Uh, in the past, that medicine has been taken orally and has a what's called an on and off cycle that can be very prevalent and bothersome to patients where you really have to time your medications in order to keep uh, things moving as best as possible. But they're now looking at new forms of administering that medicine, um, both automatically in a uh, tube that would be inserted and be a time released automatically, constantly in your body. They're looking at inhalants, which actually act faster now um, in delivering the medicine. Um, there, there are medicines for treating Parkinson's, but there is also great promise in exercise. Exercise is being uh, touted as one of the greatest benefits for Parkinson's patients. It actually can help produce or stimulate the production of dopamine, which is in short supply. Um, So exercise, and that's even a greater reason for the importance of the moving day walk, and they try and promote movement, is keeping Parkinson's patients moving. Uh, boxing classes have become very popular, yoga, tai chi. Um, there are a number of ways that you can enhance movement in your life. I personally have been uh, working with a spiritual coach for personal motivation as well as massage therapy, 
um, cranial sacral therapy. Um, I believe to being open to all possibilities. I am not one to turn my back on Western medicine and conventional medicine, and at the same time, I openly embrace uh, other possibilities in terms of holistic and exercise. I think I remember reading about your treadmill in your book, Tremors of the Universe. Is that yes. something that's still part of your almost daily routine? Absolutely. Every day, 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm downstairs on my treadmill, and I put in a good at least half hour on the treadmill. Um, I do a little bit of weight training. It's certainly not what it was before when I was working out regularly, when I was much younger and working out at a fitness center. Um, but I definitely do keep moving and do keep exercising. I bike as well as walk and use the treadmill and some uh, weight training as well. It's probably worth mentioning that Parkinson's disease does have not only a variety of symptoms, but also a number of stages that you go through. And as you said, it is not a death sentence. We know, for example, Michael J. Fox has been living with it for more than 20 years. Correct. And I think someone else famous more than 30 years. Yes, Muhammad Ali has uh, had it as well. A number of um, celebrities have had it. And Michael, in all honesty, was my first thought when I was first diagnosed. And it was just that thought that here's a person who's lived with it for over 20 years and was diagnosed at a time when research had not come nearly as far as it has now. And if I could hope for 20 and 30 years from my diagnosis, then that would put me well into a wonderful age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of hope and a lot of promise for uh, a lot of the research that's being done. And I, I personally believe that Parkinson's will be cured in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I want to read a quote from your book just because I like it. Okay. Um, I believe in Jesus Christ. I also believe in the Dalai Lama, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, Gandhi, John Lennon, Abraham, Buddha, and a host of other individuals that have lived on this earth who all got the big picture. They each felt in their heart and soul the true message of love, respect, forgiveness, and caring for fellow human beings. They all understood the great connection we all share. They knew that there's a greater energy that ties us all together. That seems like a pretty good summary of your belief system. Yes, it is. And uh, if I can have that be my legacy that I passed on to my children and they embraced, then my life will have had wonderful purpose. Okay. Um, it looks like we're almost out of time. I want to remind people you can go to www.tremorsintheuniverse.com to buy Robert Beatty's book with a 25% discount if you type in family as you're checking out. Is there any last thought that you would like to share with the listeners, Robert? Enjoy life. <laughs> it's, it's a, it has wonderful 
aspects to it, no matter what you're facing. Find the joy, find the sunshine, find the reason to smile, be happy. All right. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.